What's up, Hawks fans? Welcome to the November 24th, 2018 edition of Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. As always, I'm Luke, joined by Mr. Abe. How you doing, Abe? I'm alright. Tired today. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I was playing some Red Dead before you got here. I'm, uh, I think I'm in chapter four. Uh, I don't... Best chapter. Yeah? That's the best chapter. I yeah, I'm in, I'm in Saint-Denis. We just, uh... Uh, I won't spoil too much, but a Dutch killed a guy. He drowned him, and uh, uh, he got eaten by a uh, a reptilian swamp-dwelling creature. Um, yeah, great game so far. Uh, so let's dig in here. Um, uh, starting off with the news. Uh, first item here I have is uh, Gustav Forsling got rec- got recalled from Rockford, um, and. Uh, in my opinion, he's actually looked pretty good in his first couple games with the Hawks. Um, definitely one of the more uh, defensively responsible guys out there. And, and you know, honestly, I, I feel like the Hawks lately have been pretty good at stringing together. Uh, ever since Colton took over, I think the Hawks have gotten better at stringing together like 40 to 50 minutes a night of defensively responsible hockey. Uh Except there have been too many cases of, like, they come out of the gate really slow, and they play really poorly, and then they give up two or three goals in the first couple minutes, and then they're fighting their way back the rest of the game, uh, like we saw last night in Tampa. Yeah. Um, 31 seconds into the game. Uh, 29. Or 29 seconds. Yeah. yeah 29 seconds. Uh, yeah, it was, what, like, <coughs> ten, 10 minutes into the game, and... Uh, uh, they were down three nothing. Yeah, they were down three nothing. Uh, what's his name? Almost scored a hat trick on us. Ten minutes into the game, it's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, uh, Forsling's looking pretty good. Uh, we should be getting Connor Murphy back in the next couple of weeks. You'd think. Um, I think that's gonna help quite a bit. And actually, it's funny when we started the season under Q, our our problems. You know, we were scoring goals, and our problems seemed to be all defensively. And now that Colton's taken over, it seems like we've plugged up a lot of those defensive holes, which are probably, you know, the situation's probably going to get even better once Murphy comes back. Uh, and now we can't score. Uh, we've gone, I think, five games without scoring more than two goals, uh, not counting empty netters. That's bad. That's very bad. Yeah, um, not gonna win much with that. No, um, Artem Anisimov scored his first goal in like eleven games last night. I think um, uh, Alex DeBrinket has one point in the last twelve or something, which isn't terribly surprising because even last year he was super streaky. You know, he he'd have a point in like four straight games, and then he'd go seven without, and then he'd get a hat trick, and then he'd you know go four games without a point, and then he'd. Uh, get four points and three nights and uh, but we'd like to be him uh, we'd like for him to be more consistent in his scoring yeah I think that's going to be one of the things <clears throat> to look out for for the season too just if he can at least be more consistent yeah I haven't looked at it lately but but at the same time like Sad has turned it around and now the Brinkett is had a dip in production, so. Yeah. Um, I wonder, 
I wonder if it's related to the new line combos. Uh, and we were actually going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, uh, but for now, let's move on to the next item. Uh, Coach Q was spotted at the Bears game. <clears throat> Taking shots. <laughs> doing shots <laughs> with some tailgaters. That's, like... It, it just seems so on brand for Quinville to, like, not have made any statements to the media yet, but be caught uh, doing shots at a Bears game. He seems like this guy who is... Like, he just loves to party, but he's, like, he's all business when he's behind the bench, you know? Um, uh, we had a couple firings in the NHL. Uh, the Blues fired Mike Yeo, and they hired uh, Craig Berube as the interim head coach over there. A couple people were, uh, well, more than a couple people, a lot of people were speculating that uh, Coach Q could maybe end up back in St. Louis. <coughs> I would not go back, especially if they fired him. I don't know. I mean, Hitchcock went back to Dallas. True. That's where he won his uh, one and only Stanley Cup. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I I feel like I feel like Q could do better than St. Louis. Yeah, I think I think Q might just lay low unless he gets like a really good offer from a promising team. Oh, absolutely. So I, so I think it's either he retires or just listens to phone calls for tempting job offers. But I don't see him coaching. I don't see him coaching this season, possibly. Yeah, I could buy into that. I've actually... Um, I guess a rumor is that he, he wants to keep coaching, but he also... There's no reason for him to rush into another job. He is under contract with the Hawks for another two years. Uh, for $6 million. So, so he gets paid yeah. to sit on the couch and take shots with Bears fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he can uh, he can watch uh, Very Cavalier and Funyuns for the next two years. And he just gets paid $6 million. Uh, and if he gets hired with any, any other team, then uh, they're going to have to negotiate with the Hawks how that works out. Like, you know, small market teams are maybe not going to be willing to cough up $6 million a year. Uh, even though it is Coach Quinville, um, but uh, I could I could maybe see him. I mean, the timing might be right for him to go to, like Seattle. That's very true. Because <clears throat> I think we'll see Seattle in what, like maybe two years, two three years. Probably, probably <coughs> season after next. Um, that was about the timing for the the Golden Knights. Yeah, 2020-2021 sounds like it's going to be mm-hmm. most likely. Yeah. Although, I don't know if he'd want to be if he'd want to be out of it that long. If he'd want to be away from the bench that long. For like two years. Well, I mean, if he's getting paid the next two years, I mean, I see no problem with it. True. I mean, I, I don't know that it's like a, a money thing per se, but if he's like... You imagine, even as the second winningest coach in NHL history, you maybe get rusty after, like, 18 months of not coaching. I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be more worth it for him to actually take time off. To Hmm. just... Because at this point, he can be from, like, a fan standpoint. Just watch and see how the game has evolved, and maybe he can pick up new things to help out a future team he decides to coach. It's possible. I guess we'll see what happens. Because that's one of the things that with Q was one of the issues that he wasn't willing to 
<laughs> or he didn't show much enthusiasm to adapt to the evolving game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I know there's always been that rabid fire like hashtag fire Q uh, squad on social media every time the Hawks lose by one goal in overtime, you know. Um, but uh, I I do think that there is some. Uh, there's some merit to the notion that uh, Q's an old dog who needs to learn some new tricks um, and he's by and large been uh, resistant to do that like for example uh, he's he's one of the only coaches in the uh, in the league who still does a, a zone defense system whereas everyone else seems to be man to man and um uh, Colleton, who's transitioning our guys over to man-to-man, which, as I said earlier, has seemed to be more successful than Q's system. Uh, uh, and then, like, uh, another thing is um, Q always liked to keep Taves and Kane separate. Uh, he believed in spreading out the offensive capabilities so that, like, each line had uh, a scoring threat on it. And rather than loading up his top line and then just making it easy for the opposing team to send out their best shutdown line against that line, uh, he kind of made them have to pick and choose. So either way, you know, are you going to send your best defensive guys against Taves? Are you going to send them out against Kane? Are you going to send them out against your third line, which, you know, in a perfect world is Sharp, Vermette, and Teravainen? Um... But, yeah, so maybe maybe Q will take a long, hard look at his system and uh, find ways to change it. Uh, do we, you know, I, I really wish I'd looked this up before we started, but I'd really like to know in the past, uh, ever since Carlton started, how the, the power play and the penalty kill have fared. Uh, if you want to look that up while I keep talking. Um... Uh, so in addition to uh, Mike Yell, uh, the Oilers fired their coach, Todd McClellan, and in a shock to everyone, hired Ken Hitchcock as head coach. He's like, he's like Michael Jordan. He just won't retire. <laughs> uh, but I guess he, he is near home. I, I can't see him coaching that much longer, though, honestly, and I don't... He's he's the third winningest coach of all time, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure he's going to be the guy that uh, brings the Stanley Cup to Edmonton. You know. Mm-mm. I don't know. I I kind of feel like Edmonton would be better off going after Quinville. To be perfectly honest. Yeah. You got the numbers? No, I can't find it. Oh, um, I'm sure they're on Natural Stat Trick or something. Um. But uh, moving on, so I guess the the NHL is allegedly planning to install game clocks in the boards uh, so that the players have a better view of how much time is left in the game. Hmm. I mean, they've got the game clock on the scoreboard, but that's when you're playing a game, it's not super convenient to crane your head all the way up, especially if you're in center ice and the scoreboard's right above you. Yeah, I mean, uh, it makes sense. Like, in the NBA, they have... um, 
they have a game clock and a shot clock right above the rims, so... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could see it happening. I don't think it's a bad idea. No. Uh, and then the last item I have for the news is uh, uh, Yoki Haru was a healthy scratch in the game against uh, Tampa. And this had a lot of people on social media kind of scratching their heads because uh, Yoki Haru has been one of our stronger defensive assets this season. And why you'd scratch him against a team like Tampa is uh, kind of a... Kind of a mystery. Um, uh, but uh, Carlton defended his decision by saying that he wanted to give him some rest, uh, saying that, you know, his it's his first year in the pros, and it, uh, he didn't want it to... Uh, he, he didn't want to put too many miles on him. Uh, and I guess uh, Yoki Haru's kind of been on the decline, and he wants to get him back to playing uh, a more elite game like he has been. Um, although I think a big part of the, the decline is, uh, separating Yoki Haru from Keith. I think Keith and Yoki Haru were both playing much better when they were together. Hmm. So, it sounds like Carlton wants Yoki Haru to develop more without Keith? Is that what? Um, it's, I think what he said is he... I, I don't know what his justification for putting Keith and Seabrook together on a pairing were, because they those two should really not be... I, I don't know. They don't play well together anymore, and they're... They, he, those two should be taken off of special teams, at least, like... Like, take Keith off the, the power play and take Seabrook off the penalty kill. Uh, let's... Those are the guys who we should be, like, saving the mileage, you know. Um, he did say, Calton did say that he wanted to uh, develop Keith alongside Gustafson, um, almost as if those two were, like, going to be the, num the new number two and new number seven. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I Maybe it would... You know, part of me thinks that it would behoove Colleton to put uh, Keith and Yoki Haru back together because it would help both of their games. But at the same time, our defense has been better since they've been separated. But I think that's more... that We can credit that more to the, the change in the defensive system rather than the change in the pairings. Mm -hmm. Although, well... I was going to say, it'd be funny, if he wants to see Yoki Haru grow more, why not pair him with Seas? But they're both right. <laughs> yeah. They're both right-handed defensemen, so. Yeah, and actually, when Murphy comes back, we're going to have some trouble, because we're going to have, like, nine defensemen or something like that. Uh, wait, I got to do math real quick. Nine? Eight? Like, eight or nine defensemen. And, um, because you got... Uh, you got Yogi Haru, Gustafson, Keith, Seabrook, Manning, Davidson, Ford. Forsling, Murphy, Ruda. So that's nine. Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, see, Ruda and Manning have probably been our worst defensemen. And they've got a combined cap hit of like four and a half million dollars. So if you're putting those two in the press box together, 
just four and a half million dollars sitting in the press box every night. And then alternatively, you could switch them out, uh, healthy scratch someone else, but then you've got those guys playing, and and I don't know. You could take you could take like Davidson and Barium and Rockford, uh, although he's he's making like league minimum salary, so that's I don't know. I don't feel too bad about having him on the roster. I don't know that you could trade those guys. Yeah, nobody's gonna want to take those rosters or take take that salary hit. No. Um, I mean, you especially could, for third line defensemen. Yeah, you could maybe trade Ruda at the trade deadline if someone like really wanted to like bolster their depth defense. But I I don't see us moving Manning. I and I the reason I say we can move Ruda and not Manning is because Ruda is only signed through this season. Manning is signed through next season. <laughs> so I I don't know. I don't know what Bowman was thinking there. I don't know why he signed uh, Ruda to two and a quarter million dollars for, and I don't know why he signed Manning to two and a quarter million dollars for two seasons. And then you don't understand why he signed Seabrook to an eight million <laughs> annual value contract. That alone, <laughs> that alone should have been reason to smack him in the head. <laughs> Uh, that that alone, I think, should have been reason for McDonough to like question how well Bowman is going to continue to do his job, and we've seen him make other mistakes since then. But that was kind of like the that was like the watershed moment where Bowman changed from the guy who rebuilt that twenty ten team that was like fifty percent uh, traded and. Uh, uh, let go to free agency uh, into two more uh, cup winners. Th- that's like the point where he turned that into like, he went from that into like trading trading Panarin for Saad and uh, trading uh, Tara Vinen to get rid of the Bickle contract and trading uh, Osterley and Henestroza to get rid of the Hosa contract and then not using the money from the Hosa contract. <clears throat> and then and Kempney, then, getting rid of Kempney. Or was he a free agent? I don't remember. Uh, Kempney was a trade deadline okay. uh, move. But uh, I, I don't blame the Kempney situation too much on Bowman. I, I actually blame that one more on Q because Kempney struggled to work in Q's system and it didn't feel like Q was very patient with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he won a couple of the caps, so. Yeah, and he scored a goal against us the other night, too. Yeah, he did. Um, okay, so moving on to the discussion uh, segment. Uh, first, I want to talk about the Hawks' scoring troubles. Uh, I haven't looked at the numbers in quite some time, but at at one point very recently, over 50% of our goals were coming from uh, Kane, Taves, and Debrinket. Debrinket. Um, uh, now, Brink- Debrinket's scoring has kind of dried up in the last dozen games or so, and uh, uh, we've gotten... You know, we actually haven't gotten that much offense from the bottom six. Uh, it's it's mostly Kane, Taves, 
and then uh, the guys on their lines. Um, so I'm wondering where do we get where do we get bottom six offense from? Drafts. That's really like that's really the only way to do it at this point. Yeah, but we if we want a guy who's gonna come in if we want to draft a guy who's gonna come in and make an impact right away, we gotta draft like top five. Mm-hmm. And to get a top five pick, we gotta play pretty badly. Yeah. We gotta tank. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Hawks are gonna tank. Right. They're at they're at least not gonna try to tank. because um, McDonough made it pretty clear that he thinks that this is a playoff team. Which by the way is a lot of pressure to put on Jeremy Colleton, a thirty three year old first time NHL head coach. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess you go to Rockford, you got Sakura down there, mm-hmm. but not much else. <clears throat> I mean, I would not be surprised if Sakura gets a call up yeah. soon to see I, if they can get some help with scoring. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like guys like Sakura, uh, there's another guy down there who uh, is promising, but I can't remember his name for the life of me, which I think goes, I think says a lot about the depth of our offense right now, our offensive prospects. Um, I mean, Secure is down there, and there's no way that he, like, contributes any less than guys like Luke Johnson and Chris Kunitz and David Camp. Um, the dog's outside, he wants in here. So, I mean, you could recall uh, Dylan Secura and play him on, like, the third line, and it's not going to hurt anything. I, I guess the best reason to keep him in Rockford right now is to help him stay on a fairly linear development path. We don't want to do to him what we did to uh, Gustav Forsling and put him into the NHL too soon and, like, really disrupt his development. But other than that, where... Where do you go for immediate bottom six offense? You got to make trades or something. Mm-hmm. And we don't really have assets to trade. I, I wouldn't want to trade picks because I think that we're probably we're probably within five years of a rebuild. I don't I don't know that uh, we I don't know that McDonough and Rocky Wirtz keep pull, keep towing this whole like we're gonna keep, we're gonna be competitive line for. Uh, like into like beyond Kane and Taves uh, contracts. Yeah, you know it's funny. I was reading. Um, I was just reading a little while ago some posts on the Hawk subreddit, and there's a comment here from Swole Chinchilla. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- this was a comment from last night, but um, it's talking about how. People were had a tendency to roast Q when he didn't give leeway to younger players. Mm-hmm. So his comment is in reply to um, Hayden a comment about Hayden being scratched when in Colleton's first game as when he took over as a coach. So the comment I'll I'll just read it the whole thing mm-hmm. and says sorry, but a lot of the young players on this team outside of Yoki and Debrinket have serious flaws that can't be overlooked, and Hayden is among them. The guy doesn't get around the ice fast enough to be effective, and even though I know he's got hustle, he doesn't have much else. Fortain is all about speed with no hands or brains, also can't win a battle to save his life. 
Schmaltz has tantalizing talent, but absolutely zero heart. Doesn't even try to engage half the time and constantly pulls up, which effectively neutralizes the speed without the other team ever having to touch him. Johnson is blah as fuck. I guess he's an okay fourth liner. Doesn't bring anything special. Cahoon isn't fast enough to be useful, and he's small, which was, which was the book before he got here. He's made a couple dazzling plays, like literally two that stand out. The passage to Brinkett versus Toronto and to Brinkett versus Carolina. But outside of that, he hasn't done anything. And Camp is blasphemed too. At least he can get on the forecheck and keep up in the play. And, I mean, I have to agree with pretty much yeah. all of that. That was all pretty on point. Uh, I, especially, like, what really stands out to me is the, the comment he made about Schmaltz. Which is unfortunate because... Going into this season, it was we were kind of expecting Schmaltz to take another big step forward, and uh, for the past couple of years, we kind of expected Schmaltz to become like one of those core pieces. Yeah, he's he's supposed to be like the top line center of our future, um, but he's still he's still fallen back into the same old rut of like not shooting and like deferring to other players and not having that like drive the net mentality. Yeah, I honestly I pos- I think that the Schmaltz experiment could possibly be over either at the end of the season or at some point next season he gets traded. Hmm. Cuz I think what it is is he could probably use a change of scenery before there's any chance of ruining his uh career. Maybe. So hold that thought because I actually wanted to discuss that later. Okay. Um uh, but back to back to the scoring troubles. Um, yeah, you gotta make a you gotta make a trade because we don't have much in Rockford. And but what do you give up? Like I said, I don't I don't really want to give up like early draft picks in the next couple of years. Um, we don't really have guys that we can. Like, we, we have some, you know, we have some bottom six guys that aren't, like, we're not really attached to. And we have some, we have so many depth defensemen. But none of them are really worth anything. Mm-hmm. See, and I think this goes back to just the last couple of years where they're trying to make that one trade to help push them into becoming, to bring in another cup. Mm-hmm. They ended up trading away assets that... Mm-hmm could have been really useful yeah yeah we lost uh we lost Tara Vinen. we lost uh how great would Vinny Henestrosa look on this team right now oh god especially since we didn't even use the host of cap space mm-hmm. I mean I guess yeah I guess we got Kruger out of it and Kruger's been fine other than that stretch where he took a bunch of penalties where he took like five penalties in three games or something like that but um but, I mean he's more valuable as a as a face-off and PK than yeah. anything, because he's not going to score much. Yeah, he's like he's like the perfect fourth-line center, because, you know, he, he plays defensively. He's got a good Corsi. Uh, he wins face-offs. Uh, his possession is great. Um, he's too expensive, I think, for a fourth-line center, uh, which, again, was uh, Stan Bowman's doing. Signed him to $3 million. Um yeah, we got rid of uh, Phil Deneau. Um, did did we? He's, have a tra- he's been thriving too. Yeah, 
Uh, do we have... We had Trevor Daly at one point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trevor Daly, he went and won a cup with uh, the Penguins. Two cups. Two cups with the Penguins. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, Ryan Hartman. Mm-hmm. Traded Ryan Hartman. He was almost a 20-goal scorer uh, two seasons ago. Yeah, so a lot of that bottom six depth got traded away for essentially stuff that's not doing well. Yeah. I. This team is starting to feel like it's starting to feel like the 2011 Cubs. Rock bottom. Like, just, like, not good enough to win and not enough assets to trade to get something to help you win. Yeah, I think, like, if they were to try to blow it up and start over, the stuff that they could trade, it's too expensive. Nobody's going to want to take them. So, like... If they were to blow it up, like, they're pretty much fucked. I mean, I think they could blow it up, but... But, I mean, that means having to move Keith, having to move Seabrook, which... Keith, you can probably move, but Seabrook, no. But then again, once again, all those no-movement clauses. (laughs) You You could maybe move Keith. Um, especially if you retain some of his salary, and he's actually on a pretty, uh, a, a pretty team-friendly contract as it is. Right. Um, he'd have to mo- waive his no movement clause. I don't actually know if he'd even want to move. Mm-hmm. Like, I I feel like you know what I think, I think he might. You think if they were to tell him like, hey, like we're not going anywhere, we're gonna blow it up. We feel that you could probably make an impact on another team. With another chance to bring you a few more cups, would you be willing to, willing to move your no move waive your clause? I think he would be willing if he, if the right team wants to try to trade for him. Maybe, um, he's. But then again, he's the homegrown product too. He was drafted by the Hawks and. Yeah. He's been here his whole career, so. Yeah, his contract isn't up until after the twenty two twenty three season. Five more uh, seasons. Four more seasons. Yeah. So his cap hit is five and a half million. Uh, his salary is four and a half million. I don't. If if you stick him with a a good defensive partner, then he could he could give you a couple more years of good hockey. But I don't know that anyone would would want to keep him much longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, my thought is. Uh, I, I'm going to assume that you can't get rid of Keith. Not without giving up some assets. Right. Um, again, which we don't really have. Uh, if we if the Hawks did decide to tear it down, they'd have to keep Keith, Seabrook, and probably Taves on the books. Because I don't think you can move any of those guys. Now, Taves has some good hockey left in him, I think. But I don't think he's got $10 million a year worth of good hockey left in him. No. Um, now Kane, on the other hand, oh yeah, you could definitely move Kane, especially that's a king's ransom right there, though. Yeah, yeah, you could get a good return for Kane, um, especially if you. I, we talked about this in like the first episode, I think, but if, if you send him to Buffalo, I think, and Buffalo's looking pretty good. They got Rasmus Dahlin, they've got Jack Eichel, they've got um, that other guy. <laughs> um, 
I'm spacing on his name. The the guy who plays on a line with Eichel, I think. Uh, they're like I think they're like number ten in the power rankings right now. Uh, NHL's power rankings, that is. So I mean, they're maybe like I don't I don't know what their contract situation looks like, but they're maybe like a Patrick Kane and a couple other guys away from being cup contenders. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, Kane could be movable. Uh, I I think I would think that you'd keep Debrinket, and then uh, yeah, because he's still fairly young. So yeah, yeah, because uh, Debrinket's maybe like your uh, like your Tim Anderson. <laughs> you uh, he sticks around through the whole rebuild, or what? Actually, was Tim Anderson acquired after they decided to rebuild, or was he? No, he was. Was he no, there he in twenty sixteen? Yeah, he was. Okay, yeah. So my point stands. Um, that was his rookie season, if I'm not mistaken. And if if you're gonna trade Schmaltz, now's probably the time to do it mm-hmm. because uh, his his contract is up after this season, and he's he'd be a restricted free agent, right? Yeah, he's uh he's a restricted free agent. You could. You could sign him to. You could sign him to a pretty team friendly contract because his production's been down, but he also has a sky high ceiling. So, a team that's confident that they could develop him into something like really great, like a like a, you know, a top line scorer, like a fifty sixty point guy, then you know he's worth. He's potentially worth like five, six, seven million dollars. Um, <laughs> the dog's outside making a, a fuss because we're in here and we close the door on him. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if I see the team blowing up. I don't, I don't know if I see uh, John or Rocky doing that. I think they're still, I think they're still uh, nervous about. Uh, hurting ticket sales and just hurting the team's reputation. I think that 2005, 2006, uh, I think that stuff is still, it's still too, too close in the rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, although I don't necessarily agree. I, I think that Rocky's afraid that, uh, if if the team blows it up, then they're gonna go back to selling five thousand seats a night, right? And they're gonna go back to like not being able to give tickets away. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think so either. I don't think it would ever be as bad as it was back when Bill Wirtz was in charge. Yeah. Um, and I do. <laughs> I mean, look at the Bulls, right? Like, I'll use the Bulls as an example. They're still... Do you hear him out there? Yeah. <laughs> they still lead the league in attendance, despite currently going through a rebuild. Like, even after those Jordan years, like, they were still really good in attendance. Yeah. I I will say, though, it... Uh... <laughs> I, I wonder if they're picking up the dog on the microphone here. They might um, I... I... <laughs> I will say, though, that the NBA is a lot more popular than the NHL. True. NHL is the fourth, uh, yeah, like the fourth biggest of the five professional sports in the 
in the city. So um, a rebuild, I think, would hurt the Hawks more than it hurts, than it's hurt the Bulls. But I do think that that if if you come out and say we're tearing it down, we're going to rebuild, we have a plan. That I think fans will be uh, patient, and I think fans will understand. I don't like. I think you see it with Blackhawks or Blackhawks. Uh, you see it with uh, White Sox fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was one of those things where it's just constantly, oh, this could be our year, this could be our year, and then when nothing's happening, like, oh, we're stuck in mediocrity. But then they finally went out and said, we're comp- like, for a few years before they decided to blow it up, they said, oh, we're just retooling, retooling, and that wasn't getting them anywhere. Then that's when they decided, you know what, like. Let's blow it up. Trade away Chris Sale. Trade away Jose Quintana. And you just stack up on a farm system and draft picks. And now look where they are. They're like possibly one or two seasons away from mm-hmm. starting to get into that t- title contention again. Yeah. The, the attendance is still down, but I feel like the hype around the White Sox is higher than it's been for the better part of the decade. Mm-hmm. Maybe since what twenty twelve when they almost made the playoffs. That's been a while. Um and and definitely definitely since uh two thousand five. Yeah. And a couple of years surrounding that. Um uh but I, I guess to reiterate, I don't think that the Hawks are gonna decide to blow it up. Not <laughs> not this year. I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. I think that they're gonna keep saying like we're gonna be competitive this time. We're gonna. I I think what they want to do is they want to like just squeak into the playoffs and say like, hey, look, we're trending upwards, and then next season like they really do have a chance of being a good team again, because they do have some good defensemen uh, in the the pipeline and they do have uh, some big contracts coming off the books. Uh, well, not not. Not a lot of big contracts. Like, probably Kruger is the biggest contract coming off the books. But um, they'll also... Uh, they'll, they'll have a lot of guys who are up for uh, a contract extensions. Or, or, you know, free agency, as it may be. Yeah. You know, like, I just remembered another thing, too, that I feel like is something that's somewhat come to bite the Hawks in the ass, too. That I think that they gambled too much on the salary cap. Yeah. Like... Because I think they anticipating anticipated it rising more than it did the last few seasons. And that's why they handed out those contracts, thinking that within like three, four seasons, those contracts would look like steals because the salary cap went up so much, but that hasn't been the case. Yeah, I I can almost guarantee that's happened at least a couple of the past couple of seasons. Um I couldn't say which one, so. Uh, that Seabrook contract, oh man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Brandon Saad. Uh, he's looking a lot more like the Brandon Saad of old. The Saad father. Mm-hmm. The man-child. That's promising. Now it's just, let's see if we can keep it up. He's on, or he was on, I think, a three-game goal streak. He didn't score last night, but... Uh, Almost no one scored last night, so. But yeah, he's he's looked good. I mean, 
even last year, his underlying analytics were, were good. It's just he wasn't getting the bounces and, you know, pucks weren't going in for him. His, uh, his shooting percentage dropped from, like, 11% to, like, 7 or something like that. Whereas, like, every year since then, or every year up to that point, aside from his rookie season, he was, like, double digits. Um, but he's looking a lot better now. Uh, that was that was kind of the bounce back that everyone expected to happen. I don't think many people expected Taves to bounce back quite the way he has. Mm-hmm. He's I think he's got twenty points in twenty three games. He's almost he's almost at a at a point per game race uh, pace. Um, I think Kane is twenty six points in twenty three games, so he's above a point per game pace. Uh, but everyone expected Kane to still be good. Uh, I think everyone expected Alex to bring it to still be good. I don't think anyone expected Schmaltz to regress the way that he has. Yeah. It seemed like last season he had gotten over that, you know, whatever was dogging him in his, uh, the first half of his rookie season. I feel like he needs a wake-up call to send him down. I, I would think maybe send him down to Rockford a few games, see if he can get some confidence back, and then call him back up. You think so? Maybe. Because hmm. I think, didn't they do that to him, was it last season? They sent him down for a few games? It was the season before that. Yeah. He was actually pretty good for most of last season. Uh, and he was actually really good for the second half of... Uh, After they recalled him. Yeah. Yeah, they, they put him down in Rockford for like a month. They brought him back. And then after that, he was like... He kind of went under the radar because we had a lot of high-scoring guys that year. Uh, uh, you know, Kane, Kane looked good as always. Um, uh, we had... I think we... If Ryan Hartman had like one or two more goals, we would have had like seven 20-goal scores. Um, yeah, that, so, was, that was Hosa's last season too. Yeah, Hosa made a return to form that year. Um, oh, that was Hosa's last season. It makes me sad. But um, uh, so Schmaltz kind of went under the radar that year. But since after he came back, he was a point per game player the rest of the season. So I think uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, let's talk about these new line combinations. So, um, uh, I, I said it earlier, but I'll reiterate, uh, Q had a tendency to, the dog's still out there, Q, <laughs> Q had a tendency to, uh, split up offensive talent and spread it out, um, but Jeremy Colleton, he's... He's kind of uh, followed this trend that's uh, gone on throughout the league. He's got um, he's got Taves, Kane, and Saad on the top line, and this is something that a lot of other teams are doing. You see Colorado doing it with uh, uh, McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog. You see um, Boston doing it with uh, Bergeron, Marchand, and uh, 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 Pasternak. Um, Dallas always had a lot of success when they put um, well. Their line, when they put Tyler Sagan and um, Jamie Benn together, that line always had a lot of success. I'm not saying that Dallas has always been a successful team. They've got other issues. Um, it wasn't so long ago that their uh, their goaltenders were Antti Niemi and uh, Kari Lettinen, mm-hmm. which is not great. Um, yeah, they um, were a goalie away from being a cup contender. 
Yeah. Essentially. And then you got Nashville, who's got uh, Arvidsson, Forsling, no, Forsberg, uh, Arvidsson, Forsberg, and um, Johansson on their top line. And, uh, yeah. Uh, although I think the the trade-off has been that we're not getting that scoring from uh, the bottom six. Well, really, the bottom nine at Re- this point. Really, the bottom nine, yeah. Because... Uh, uh, Kane and Taves are good. Sod's been good. Debrink gets dried up. And then, you know... Schmaltz has been non-existent. Yeah. Schmaltz and Anisimov have mostly been invisible. And then the bottom six are uh, Fortane, Camp, Cahoon, Johnson, Kruger, and Kunitz. Yeah, that that Kunitz thing has been questionable. So, but whatever. Look at look at the defensive pairings for tonight: Gustafson and Seabrook, Keith and Forsling, Manning and Ruda. Or was that last night? I think that was last night. Last updated November twenty fourth. That's today. Hmm. Wait, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, they still got Keith on the power play. Where's the PK? Oh, they don't have the PK listed on here. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it just comes back to the notion that we need more depth scoring, and we need Murphy back, and we need to offload some of these, uh, like, seventh defensemen that we have. <coughs> Seabrook. <laughs> yeah, he's not going anywhere. Um, okay, so we, we talked about this a little bit already. But I did want to... <laughs> Tucker, stop. Uh, I did want to talk about who you think could be on the trading block if we aren't looking like a playoff team at the trade deadline. Mm. All right, so, so here's what I'm going to do. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I am going to go through the roster, and then you tell me... Uh... Uh... Trading block. Should he block. Stay or should he go? <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Not should necessarily, because uh, there are guys who should go who will not go, like True. Seabrook. <laughs> um, by the way, we shit on Seabrook all the time, but we really do love him. He's he he was a hero in the Detroit series in 2013. No one uh, eats, sweats, and bleeds Blackhawk red like Brent Seabrook does. He just has a shit contract and we're, we're upset about the contract and also if you're Brent Seabrook and Stan Bowman if you're 31 year old Brent Seabrook and Stan Bowman says he, he, he says I'm going to give you 7 million a year for 8 years do you slide that paper back across the table and say nah dude let's do fewer years for less money no you take that contract yeah so like let's be upset with Stan Bowman um, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read off the roster here, and then you tell me, uh, trading block or long-term asset. Oh, God, this is gonna be bad. <laughs> Alright, um, I think these are in alphabetical order. Okay, you're gonna have to yeah. remind me on some of them, because... Alright, Anisimov. Trade. Trade? Yes. 
Because you can get assets for him. That's that's true. I'm not I'm not sure how much time he has left on his contract, but he does he did hit like the the partial uh, the modified no movement clause last year, so he can list like ten teams that he can be traded to, and he's he's still a solid like like top nine uh, forward, uh, and he's he's decent at faceoffs. He's like upper forties. Yeah, and he's is, valuable for the PK. Yeah, and he can score a couple of goals here and there, so he's you know a good. Yeah, he's probably one of the most valuable trade pieces that we'd have. I yeah. would say. On a cup contender, he is a fantastic third line center. Mm-hmm. Um, so, trading block. Alex DeBrinkin. Long term, he's staying. I agree. He won't be moved. I agree. Uh, Fortane. Fortane. <clears throat> I think they'll give him. I think he'll. They'll keep him. I think they could probably still develop him. So. Okay. Yeah, he's got the speed. He just doesn't have the hands. Doesn't have the finish. Just put have him train Patrick Kane for it in the off season. <laughs> yeah, have him train with Patrick Kane I like that. Uh, by the way, listeners, it is pronounced Fortane. I looked it up in the official Blackhawks roster pronunciation guide. They have one. <laughs> they do have one. And by the way, it's Yoki Haru. It's two two Y sounds on the J's. Um, all right, next player, John Hayden. Hmm. I like Hayden. Yeah? I like Hayden. Like, there's still room for development for him. I say he stays. I think I'm going to agree. Um, he's, he's not, he's not going to be a 20 goal scorer. He's not going to be a top six sniper or anything like that. He reminds me a bit of Andrew Shaw. That's what yeah. he, who he reminds me of. Yeah, he's, he can score, but he's also a little enforcer. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a little bit of a goon, which I think we like to have. We like to have that guy who will stand up for uh, his teammates. Not um, Jonathan Taves. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luke Johnson. Hmm. Now him, I really don't remember how well he's been playing, how old he is, or whatnot. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I, I think he's probably on the trading block. I don't, I, I don't think anyone's going to come looking for him, but you know, there's no way you do that. You don't somebody listen to just offers. like dangle. Yeah. There's no way that you don't listen to offers. Like if people are like for Patrick Kane, I'll give you, and then, you know, Bowman cuts him off. I, 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 no, like, you know, that is not Luke Johnson at all. Yes. I just compared Luke Johnson to Patrick Kane, <laughs> which no one should ever do. Um, next, Dominic Cahoon. Cahoon, I think, I still think he's pretty young, right? He's, uh, I thought he was 24, but that's his jersey number. Uh, yeah, he's pretty young. I think he's, like, early 20s. Okay, I, I think he's, again, has room to grow and develop, so I say he's, I say he stays. I think I would listen to offers for him. Um, he's, yeah, he's got some potential, but I don't know that he's irreplaceable. Right. Uh, David Kampf. Trade. Trade? Trade block. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about him. He's, um, 
I think he'd be a good fourth line guy. He's, uh, uh, it seems like Carlton really likes him. I think he can, uh, he can win face-offs and, well, I mean, enough face-offs for, like, a fourth liner. I, I guess I, I listen to offers, but, you know, again, he's, he's not irreplaceable. Uh, Patrick Kane. <laughs> Is that even a question? <laughs> Next. Uh, Marcus Kruger. Um, I would say trade block. Yeah? Just because he's on a somewhat okay-ish deal, and he can also provide value to another team that's, like, that needs that little extra push, like a third or, once again, like a third or fourth line center. Yeah, I could see him being, like, a trade deadline acquisition, um, so I, I'd listen to deals for him, but also if if uh, if the season comes and goes, and he uh, we're getting we don't if if the if the trade deadline comes and goes and he doesn't get any offers, then I also don't really have an issue if they sign him to a really team friendly deal, like maybe one year, one million dollars, and he's just your your fourth line or third line center. And he's just there to, like, defend and win face-offs. Chris Kunitz. Mm, I don't think they trade him. I think they, only, they signed him only to a one-year deal, right? Yeah. Well, uh... I think there should have been a third option. Uh, trading block, long-term asset, or free agency. Or let him walk. Let him walk. I, I'd let him walk. Yeah. But at the same time... It, he could probably be a useful fourth line. He's 39. Yeah, but I mean... And his name is not uh, Yarmir Yager. True. I mean, some team might be dumb enough to make a trade for him. If they need it. <laughs> so we only got to deal with dumb teams. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to trade for Chris Kunitz. I think... Maybe he's useful on a rebuilding team who needs like some veteran leadership. I don't know. Uh, I, I'd say they probably let him walk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'll, he'll walk. Um, Andreas Martinson. Again, this is, this is more of a, a prediction of what you think will happen rather than what you think should happen. Once again, no idea who he is. <laughs> so, the thing I like about Martinson is that he's uh, he's a pretty physical guy. He's He and Hayden kind of, uh, they play sort of similar games in that they, uh, they can get the big hits in. I could, I could see them, I, I, I don't know, I, I'd listen to offers, but I don't. I think he probably sticks around just because no one really expresses interest in him. Um, uh, Brandon Saad. Considering that they traded Panarin for him, he's staying. I I think... Hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I... 
I would see them keeping him long term. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree. I, I had a moment there where I thought that maybe I'd put him on the trading block, see if he gets any offers, but uh, I, I think you keep him around. Uh, he's, especially if he keeps playing like he has been. Uh, Nick Schmaltz. <clears throat> I think we talked about this already. Uh, yep. Probably offers. Probably listen to offers. Uh, offers and good chance to let him walk at the end of the season if they can't trade him. I don't know. I wouldn't let him walk. I'd <coughs> I'd sign him to like a uh, like a bridge contract. I'd give him one or two million for three years or something. I don't know. Because uh, I still think that you could get a lot out of him. He's just. He's just got those stubborn, like, those stubborn things about him that, uh, that, like, refusal to shoot and constantly deferring to other players. I think, you know, he, he played really well last year. He, he was, like, 54-point player or something like that. I think you can get more out of him. Uh, Jonathan Tapes. Next. <laughs> Uh, defense. Brandon Davidson. Mm. I think he's, I think he's on a, a PTO, so he's, um, he's probably only signed through this year. And so, he's injured right now, too, isn't he? I don't think so. I don't know. Um, so do they re-sign him or let him walk? I don't think anyone's going to come looking for him. I, I he'd probably be just a, a walk. Uh, Gustav Forslund. Long term. I think so too. I think he's a he's a good three or four. Mm-hmm. On, uh, on a on a good team, he's a three, a four, maybe a five. Uh, Eric Gustafson. Gustafson. Man, he's like a hit or miss. That's that's kind of his MO. Although I will say, in in past years, he was like, uh, you know, he he like he'd do some good stuff, and then he'd do like a it'd be like a big turnover. And mm-hmm. uh, but now he's he's more consistent about. He's a better player than he was. He's still not perfect. He still does allow those big turnovers every once in a while. So I could see him being long-term, but at the same time, I could see him being up for trade. Okay. Like, they'd listen to offers for him. There's a dog. Um, Tucker doesn't want to trade Gustafson, so <laughs> fuck you. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Yoki, how are you? Uh, he's our number one of the future, most likely, so. You think so? Not Boquist? One or two. Yeah. I, so, I, I, yeah, I, no, he's staying. I, I agree. Um, although, <laughs> stop. We, we do kind of have a, a log jam of defensemen in our pipeline. Um, Which is not a bad thing. No, no, it's not. But you got to figure, if we've got so little in terms of offensive prospects, but we have so many promising defensive prospects. Maybe You can someone, flip those for offensive prospects. Maybe someone gets flipped, yeah. Um, but you've got... So you've got uh, Yoki Haru, 
Boquist. We've basically got four. <coughs> um, uh, see, Yoki Haru, and then you got three other guys who are still in the system but have elite potential. Uh, so you got Yoki Haru, you got Boquist, you got Bodan, and you got Ian Mitchell. So those four guys would be really attractive trade chips for another team. Yeah, I mean, how, like, if. Like Gustafson and Forsling, Ruda, and like those guys that are current, those younger guys that are currently on mm-hmm. the roster can perform well. Like, and you can see those guys being like some of your cornerstones for the defense. Like, keep Yoki Haru and possibly Boquist. You can flip the other two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think keep Yoki Haru. Uh, we've, we've, we've flipped. We've we've done too much flipping of the the young defensemen like uh, like TVR. Um, I really wish. Which we still, I yes. I I'm really st- wish we still had TVR last year. I'm still salty about that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I say keep Yoki Haru. He's already he by the end of this year he's gonna have a full year of uh, uh, professional experience under his belt, and he's he's played really well in that year already. So I don't know if you want to give up a guy like that. Um, but maybe you give up a guy like uh, Bodan or Mitchell. Like, you give up one of those guys, and maybe your return is an Alex Debrinkit caliber player. Then maybe you take that. Mm-hmm. Like, if the goal is to be good, like, next year, maybe you take that. Uh, Duncan Keith. Keep, obviously. Yeah, he's he's probably not going anywhere. Uh, Brandon Manning. Trade. He's, I think you definitely listen to offers, but I don't think you're gonna get any. Yeah, trade or walk. Well, but I mean, he's he's got another two. He's got another two years here, so. I don't know. I I wonder if I wonder if he's on a. a, I don't think he's on a two way deal. I was going to say, it'd be nice if you could bury him in Rockford. Or dangle him in a schmaltz together. <laughs> um, Connor Murphy. Keep yeah, long-term. I think he's long-term asset, too. Jan Ruda. Um, listen to offers. I I could see him maybe getting traded at the trade deadline. Um, but I also see a potential reality where he's not enticing enough to a contender and they just let him walk mm-hmm. uh and the last one's uh brent seabrook sorry that's the last defenseman brent seabrook mm. obviously he's not going anywhere um goalies cory crawford mm. i mean how old is he 33 34 uh yeah he's 33 34 he's getting up there in age I don't think you trade him now. No, but I think you let him walk at the end of his contract. I'm. I'm not sure you trade him at all. I wonder if um. I wonder if you keep grooming, let's say like Colin Dillia for the the new starter role. Like I wonder if like, because he's been pretty promising in the minors. I wonder if maybe he's, he's our next Corey Crawford. Mm-hmm. And then maybe Crawford becomes the, the backup. backup. Like maybe that happens. Uh, 
Cam Ward after this year. He's gone. I think he's probably gone as well. Um, but he's only signed for one year. And he's played really well as a backup. So maybe if... Uh, I think you can tie it into the health of Crawford. Yeah. I Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. If... Uh, if because um, let's say Crawford has not completely recovered from his concussion, which uh, you know, God forbid, but like that basically happened to Sidney Crosby in like 2012 or whatever year it was. He was he missed like two thirds of the season with concussion, came back, and then he was there for like two months, and then he was gone again. Uh, so I wonder. Let's assume that Crawford's healthy all season now. I think what happens is uh, they put him on the trading block and they maybe they maybe send him to... Oh, he has no movement clause, don't forget. For, for That's, true. That's so true. So they, they couldn't trade him anyway. But, I mean, if if the Hawks... If it's... If it's, uh, if it's you know, February 23rd or whatever date the, the trade deadline is, and the Hawks are looking, the Hawks are like, like fifth or sixth in the division. They're on the outside looking in. They're like five points back. They haven't looked at all like a playoff team. Then, if you're Cam Ward and a uh, general manager comes to you and says, "Hey, if you waive your no movement clause, we can send you to a contender, and you can back up a contender," because there's got to be some contenders out there who have like one good goalie but would love another one. Mm-hmm. Like um, Tampa, yeah. Like with Vasilevsky, like I don't know, is he? He's injured, isn't he? Uh, I think he is injured. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm sure he'll be back by then. Uh, uh, Boston, I think. Um, because Tuka Rask is, like Tuka Rask alone is kind of a big question mark. Um. Uh, Nashville has a pretty good backup. Um, I think, I think Toronto is a pretty good backup. Uh, Fred Anderson's actually been doing pretty well this year. What about Winnipeg? Winnipeg? Let's see, they got Connor Hellebuck. I'm not sure who their number two is, but maybe. Yeah, I could, I could perceive of a scenario. Maybe it's, maybe it's like St. Louis. Maybe, uh, maybe St. Louis sneaks into like the wild card spot. And they want a backup goaltender because Jake Allen is Jake Allen. <laughs> I don't know. I but my point is I could totally see it. I think Cam Ward could maybe be valuable to uh, a contender. Anyway, that was all the guys who were on the twenty man roster. Uh, I'm not going to go through all the guys in the system, mostly because we don't we haven't really seen much of those guys. Um, uh, alright, real quick before we wrap this up um, Gary Bettman is a Hall of Famer now, officially um, now obviously this is going to be controversial because Gary Bettman is Gary, Gary Bettman, Bettman. <laughs> but let's talk about the, the ethics of inducting 
an NHL elite commissioner who is sitting, who still has his job, who is like, he's, he's inducted because of his legacy, but he's still building his legacy. Mm-hmm. He's a sitting commissioner. It's, I don't, I don't agree with that. Hmm. Cause I mean, you could, obviously there are going to be some, some people who argue that he's, uh, not been good for the league. There are going to be some people like a dozen people who argue that he has been good for the league. And, uh, objectively the league has grown under him, uh, both in terms of number of teams and in terms of revenue. But what if, you know, next year he comes out as a white supremacist (laughs) and he kicks all the black people out of the league? Do you retroactively revoke his hall of fame, his hall of fame status? I mean, I think you could. Yeah. Granted, it turned out he really was a piece of shit. Which he probably is. <laughs> but, um... Alright, but realistically, though, it's it's not like he's gonna... like It's not like he's gonna, like, get inducted and then he'll, like, rip off his, his fake face and then he'll be like, it was me, Hitler, all along. Um, but... Maybe you know he makes some poor decision. Like like there's another lockout coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I shouldn't say there is another lockout coming. There's another CBA negotiation coming, and I think every year that there's been a CBA negotiation under Batman, there's been a lockout. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think. It would be, um, I, th- I think it would be better if he, um, like, if they made him wait, like they do with players. With the players. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what they should have done. I'm just um, trying to look up one thing, because, real quick, because, um, because uh, David Stern, former commissioner of the NBA, he, uh, what is David's turn? He joined the Hall of Fame. He was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. As a sitting commissioner? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Because mm, okay. he retired in February of 2014. He was commissioner for almost 30 years. Well, 30 years. Yeah. And he was enshrined in 2014, but I'm trying to see when it... I mean, maybe it's not unprecedented for a sitting commissioner to be inducted into a Sports Hall of Fame, but I'm not sure I agree with it regardless. Yeah, no, I definitely don't think... So. I, I don't agree with it either. Yeah. I would say, like, because you can see a few years after he leaves, see, like, what the impact was left behind, too. But granted... Mm. Like, in the case of David Stern, he was commissioner for 30 years. You saw the game evolve so many ways. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I like I can see why, but at the same time, I don't agree with it. Like, I feel like they should definitely have to wait the same amount of years a player has to wait to be eligible for it. Yeah. Uh, and with that, let's, let's wrap this up, especially because I've only got eight more minutes before my app stops recording. Um, 
This has been the November 24th, 2018 edition of Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. As always, I've been Luke. Abe's been Abe. Um, you all have been very quiet. You don't talk very much. Um, if you have any questions or comments or feedback, feel free to tweet at us at SweaterPod. If you want to tell us we suck, too. If you want to tell us... Yeah, if you want to tell us we suck, just shut up. Go somewhere else. Um, That's it. We'll be back in another uh, week or so, probably or so. Um, Bye. Bye.